What is up and welcome to Bridge Youth. We are so stoked you are here. Service starts at seven, that's in five minutes. Um, please be sure to use the bathroom before service starts. That would be a good time. And if you're here, you're family to us and we are so happy to be spending this night with you.
service is in just two minutes, so make sure to grab your seat, turn off your airdrop, and if you're watching online with us this evening, comment something so that we know you're watching. Tonight will be awesome. We are so stoked that you are here. Zay on. We need Zay's mic on, por favor. Hey guys, I think it's officially holiday season, so I'm gonna need a little louder chant. How we feeling? <laughs> Christmas season, Thanksgiving, hoodie season, coffee, all of it. I'm so happy. It's a good time. Where does Zay go, buddy? I need Hello? you. I Hello? need you. There okay. we go. There he is. Hey guys. Hey man. <laughs> hey man. Well, if it's your first time here. We just want to say welcome. This is the best place to be on a Wednesday night. We got something special, great. special for you planned tonight. Um, and yeah, we're going to go into family Any time. Any time questions? Yeah, let's do it. All right, everyone up to your feet real quick. We need everyone standing up right now. To your feet, to your feet. Thank you. All right, y'all. Our family time question for today. What is the best Arizona iced tea flavor? Yeah, Woo! this is controversial. I oh, know, that's I know. Tough, bro. Start talking, start talking. All of the above, dog. I think green tea goes crazy. Green tea goes green tea. crazy. That's like a classic. Exactly. Can't go wrong but with that. Mango is insane, bro. Mango is good. And the watermelon go crazy mango too. Here. Hey, yell it out a little bit. Let me hear some of your answers. What we got? All right, mango. I need a, mango. I need to hear someone. Trinity, best Arizona flavor. Raspberry. Raspberry. Mrs. Ooh, Amber. Miss Amber. Miss Amber. We need to hear it. What? What is your answer? I like the lemon iced tea. Mmm, original. Okay, that's, that's a good one. All right, what we got over here? Green tea. Green tea? Solid answer. I like it. Huh? Hey, broccoli. What's your favorite Arizona broccoli, broccoli. flavored tea? Arizona iced tea, go. Watermelon. Oh, she Watermelon. don't like it. Okay. That's the first one, yeah. You're missing out, girl. Half half You're missing out. Uh, Mango uh, goes crazy. Half and half also valid answers, valid answers. Right. This is a very Pablo, serious question. Pablo, my man. We're going to need to hear your answer what, right what, now. What we, what we talking about? We talking about mango? Mango? Watermelon? What we talking about? Mango! Classic, classic. Mango, green hey. tea, hey. half and half, hey. Arnold Palmer. Hey. So many good choices. What's up, Which boys? Which one's the best, Corey? How are we Which feeling? the best? Arizona Either flavor sweet tea, tea or Arnold Palmer. What are you taking? Ooh, half Arnold and half. Palmer. Like half and one. half? Watermelon. What, my boy, watermelon. Half and half. Half and half. Okay, I respect it. I respect it. Have your answers ready. Once we come back to the middle, I want to hear your guys' answers, because this is a very controversial question. This is very serious. Favorite very tea, political. <laughs> Mango. Mango! Mango's popular. Mango's a very popular answer right now. All right, Marco. All right, you guys go ahead and take your seats. Go ahead and take your seats. 
All right. I heard, I heard quite a bit of answers, but there is definitely some more popular ones. I mean, election day just happened. We had to ask something political. You know, I'm sorry. It was a tough question. All right, real quick. Let me... All right. Make some noise if you're a mango person. Ooh. Yeah? All right, all right. Who was there for Arnold Palmer? Okay. And then green tea. Oh, come oh. on. Don't like do green my tea. green tea like that. Man. Come on. Mango! Bro, Arizona. I'm a fan of everything Arizona. I don't care. Sponsor us, please. All right, well, please. we got some announcements for you guys tonight. What we got? What we got? Um, we first got up, off. join us on Sunday mornings. This isn't the only time we gather. Sunday mornings, we are here. 11.30 a.m. We got connect groups. It's a great time. Pull up. Don't be lame. Don't be whack. Don't be a square. Come on, pull up. Pull also, up. Also, that's not another only time that we meet up. Also, if you're 18 to 25 within that age range, we got young adults, and we especially got it this Sunday, November 13th at 5 p.m. We do it right over there at the Bridge Coffee Shop. So if you guys are between the ages of 18 to 25, pull up. It's amazing. It's great. Stop the cap. Stop the cap. Social media, if you're not following us already, IG, TikTok, at Bridge, YTH underscore. It's on follow the big it. screen that way. Um, yeah, follow us if you aren't already. Also, you guys might know, we do we do uh, Bible clubs, we do school clubs, but you might not know where we're at on your campus. So if you don't know where we are at on your campus, feel free to DM us. We got your room number. We can tell, tell you what teacher it is that we're with. Um, DM us for any info, Bridge YTH, just like you said. And also, one more announcement, giving. It's another way to worship God. If you would like to give, please give online or at the back of the youth center, which is that way. Um, yeah, if you feel like giving. All right, everybody, stand your feet, gather around here for worship. We're about to get started. Let's go.
Somebody in the Bible who sinned a lot, and he said in 1 Timothy 1, verses 15 and 16, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, God saved me and showed mercy to me, so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. I think that God saves even like the worst examples of like, sinners like I'm not going to get into like the details of like the many mistakes that I can list that I have done or like our pastors have done but in spite of ourselves God has displayed his mercy to us and saved us for the purpose of transforming a life and displaying his immense patience there's a pattern that God wants to do in the life of anybody who will come to him humbly and he saves people even like me uh, to show off that pattern that he hopes to do in the lives of everybody who will accept him amen I'm going to invite a student up to the front to praise in the service. And that person is Kai Dunn, if he wants to make his way up here. I know, it's a little complicated, bro. There's wires everywhere. <laughs> All right. If everyone would bow our heads and close our eyes, please. Thank you, God, for this wonderful night, God. I thank you for everyone who's here. I pray that everyone who's here knows that they're here for a reason, God. And I pray that you will speak their, your message to them, God. And it's not a matter of us being able to hear a message from you, God. It's a matter of us being able to listen, God. I pray that you could bless Wyatt through his message, God, and just help us be able to listen, God. And that you could get rid of all distractions, God, so we can just press in and listen to your word, God. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. 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 All right, you guys excited for the middle week two? Yeah. All right, if you guys want to head back to your seats, go ahead. Go ahead and high-five somebody on your way back and say, I'm excited.
yo, Bridge Youth, what's going on? Man, hey, how are we doing tonight? How's this section? I'm just kidding, I'm not going to do that. Um, but hey, my name is Wyatt. In case we have not uh, have the privilege to meet yet, uh, that is my name. I am on staff here at the church. I am the uh, director of community development, which is a fancy way of saying that I'm over a few things that happens at the church. And uh, I'll be speaking to you guys tonight. And we are just so grateful and so stoked to have each and every one of you here, whether you are in person or you are in your living room or in your bedroom right now watching this online. Uh, no matter what it is, we're just so stoked to have you here. We'd like to greet all of our guests with this phrase that never gets old, not even once, but we are here at Bridge Youth to build you up, not... Beat you up. Hey, we're so excited to have you guys here. You guys do not have to believe to belong here. This is a place where you can call home. These are people that you can call family, and uh, we're just stoked to have each and every one of you here tonight. And as we conclude this, or not conclude, whoa, wait a minute. Corey was like, are, are we? Um, as we continue on with this series, In the Middle, how many of you guys have been enjoying this series so far? I know it's only been one week, but I think it's been amazing just to be able to see all of us um, during worship lift up our hands praise God, worship God. It's been amazing just to be able to see that because when everything is facing in one direction, it's difficult sometimes to look around and take in that people are just like you, worshiping the exact same God, just like you in the same way that you are. And that's really what this series is all about, right? Worshiping God through the middle. And as we talk about the middle, Corey had a great uh, message last week about in the middle of the storm, right? Peter was out on the boat, and then he wasn't. He was walking out on the water towards Jesus. He was in the middle of this storm as God was calling him out to it. And what an amazing story that it was. And I think the difficulty about a series like this is that it's so easy for us as students to come into a message and to come into a series like this and hate the middle, right? The middle seasons of life, the waiting seasons. Like, nobody likes the line at Disneyland, right? How many of us actually enjoy lines at Disneyland? If you raise your hand, stop it, all right? Just, uh, just stop it. But, 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 but if I wait, God's growing my pain. No, he's not, bro. That is torture right there, okay? Nobody likes it, but it's in the middle, right? It's in between you uh, joining the line and ultimately getting on to the ride, right? And we embrace the middle in those moments because we know what's ahead of us. One of my favorite things that I see as people are waiting in line at Disneyland is um, if you've been to Disneyland before, you're going to know exactly what I'm talking about. If not, you might still know what I'm talking about. But it's this thing right here, right? You're just standing in line. You're waiting. Oh, I'm... I'm going to move forward right now. And all of a sudden, like across the way, you see a group of people just going. Uh, uh, a rabbit. Like I am convinced that the game Heads Up only exists at Disneyland. Because I never see anybody playing Heads Up outside of Disneyland. I am convinced that when you turn on the game, it says, are you at Disneyland? And if you say no, oh, sorry, access denied, right? You need to update it. It's not working properly. I already know some, someone's going to be like, oh, yeah? Well, I'm going to download it, and I'm going to play it after service just to show you. Yeah, well, good luck with that, all right? You're going to start playing it, and you're like, why do people do this? But that's the middle, right? There's also a middle 
where it is the in-between period of when you click on your YouTube video and then when the YouTube video is actually playing. And what's in between? It's the ad. The election was yesterday for the midterms. How many of y'all voted? I'm just kidding. Um, you're like, what? Voted? Um, and there was a bunch of propositions on it, and we're not going to get political. I, I, I promise we're not going to get political. But I wish... And I almost think that we should all sign a petition that there should be a proposition that it is illegal to have two unskippable ads back-to-back on a YouTube video. Would anybody else sign that other than me? Unskippable? Skippable isn't even a word. Unskippable isn't even a word. I had to make up a whole new word just to get this thing passed, right? We don't like that in-between phase. And... You know, thinking through all of that, it brings up a story to mind. If you do karate or any type of MMA, raise your hand. Like you, like, I don't mean like you do it like, oh, I like the idea of it. But like you actually do karate, MMA, jujitsu, Muay Thai, whatever it may be. What I'm about to say might offend you. And I'm not, I'm not making fun of, I, I promise, hey, hey, I promise I'm not making fun of you, right? Someone's about to come up behind me and put me in a chokehold and say, what did you say? I'm, I, hey. I'm not here to offend you. But when I was at the prime age of six years old, I really wanted to be a ninja. Anybody else? There's some of us that are still like, I still want to be that, right? I really wanted to be a ninja. And I knew that in order for me to become a ninja, I had to learn some type of fighting style, right? So the most popular thing at the time was karate. In fact, when I was six years old, doing karate was like a weird thing to do. I was like, what, you do karate? You're so lame. Like now doing MMA and karate is like dope. But back then it was like, why would you do that other than you wanted to be a ninja like me? So when I first started karate, I thought to myself, you know what? I think it'll probably take me like a week and then I'll be a yellow belt, right? It's not going to take me very long just to get to, you know, yellow belt. I don't know all the belts, so I'm not going to try to go through all the colors and stuff like that. But it's not going to take me very long to get to the black belt, right? It's not going to take me very long to master this skill known as karate. And it wasn't until one of my first, I guess, like lessons or classes it was for free. It was just to, just to test it out. That's so funny that they did that too because they knew a bunch of people were going to sign up and then just never show up, right? Like a bunch of kids like me who wanted to do karate but didn't actually want to do karate, right? So when I found out that it took years, someone say years, it takes years to get a black belt. And the moment that I heard years, my six-year-old mind said, I quit. <laughs> I'm good, Right? Because I liked the idea of being good at karate, but I didn't want to become good at karate. And as I thought through this message, as I, as I was just thinking through everything, all the directions that we could go through, I thought about a character in the Bible known as David. Now David, if you grew up in church, you know who I'm talking about, right? David is the one who we read about in kids' church we draw pictures of him about to face Goliath. We don't get to the part where he cuts off Goliath's head, right? We don't do that part. But we hear a lot about David, right? If you grew up in church, you know who David is. If you don't know who David is, because maybe you didn't grow up in church, or maybe you're new to church, I just want to run down sort of like the history of David. So David is the youngest brother out of seven. Someone say, whoa. 
right? He has seven older brothers. I grew up with one older brother and life was difficult. Talk about seven of these dudes. And it talks about within 1 Samuel that every single one of his brothers were tall, they were strong, they looked like linebackers in the NFL. And this prophet named Samuel, someone say Samuel. Samuel is meeting all of his brothers because God says there was going to be a king out of this specific house. And as he goes up to the first brother, his name was literally Abinadab, which is sick. Um, so he goes up to the first brother and he's the biggest, he's the tallest, he's the most handsome, right? And as soon as he gets to him, he's like, oh, dude, this is the king right here. And God's like, nope, next. So Samuel's like, okay. So he goes through all seven of his brothers and he goes to Jesse, who is David's father, and says, hey, do you have any other brothers? And he's like, uh, yeah, we have, a, we have a 12-year-old in the back. He's out in the sheep because nobody, nobody wants to be a shepherd at that time. So I guess he has to go and do it. So he's like, bring him in. And as soon as he sees David, he says, yep, you're the king. So David, at a very young age, is appointed and anointed to be king over Israel. And then David goes into battling David and Goliath. And as David is going to deliver food to his older brothers who are at war, there's a giant named Goliath. This dude was over 10 feet tall, right? This dude was like two LeBrons put together. This dude was a literal giant. And he is this champion who is shouting out to the armies of Israel who is saying, hey, if any one of you can come out and fight me and defeat me, then our armies would be defeated and we're going to leave. But if any one of you come out and try to fight me and I defeat you, then you guys have to leave and you guys have to surrender. And David, being at this point anywhere from 12 to 14 to 15 years old, hears this giant named Goliath and he says, I'll take him on. So he goes up, he gets five stones and he slings one of the stones at Goliath, hits him right in the head. This is the part that we don't talk about in kids' church. And he goes up to Goliath, he takes out Goliath's sword and he cuts off his head. And that's who David is. And then David goes into the court of the king who is named Saul, and now he's a part of this courtship, and he's a part of the uh, army that Saul has, and he wins many battles, and then ultimately David becomes king, and David is like this superhero that we read about in church, and we're like, yeah, that's who I want to be, because not only was David a warrior, not only was David uh, handsome and strong, but David also had, he had a little soft side on him as well, he was a musician, he played the harp, which is like probably one of the like craziest instruments to play, right? Like if you thought like, okay, this warrior plays an instrument, it's not going to be the harp, right? He's going to play the drums. He's going to play like the electric guitar. He's going to play something other than the harp. But he's both, right? He can go and win the battle and he can go and write music for God, not only that, but he's also characterized as a man after God's own heart. So not only is he strong, not only is he talented, not only is he faithful to God, but ultimately he's the one that we look at within the Bible in the, New, in the Old Testament and we say, oh dude, if, I'm, if I want to be anybody, I want to be that guy. I want to be like David. But here's the thing, we love the idea of being David, but we don't want to become David. And that season of becoming is the middle that we're going to be talking about. Because all of us find ourselves in that season of becoming. Where we aren't where we used to be, but we aren't where we want to be. Right? We've, we've grown enough in life 
that we know where we want to be, but we aren't where we used to be. And we're in this season, we're in this middle period called becoming. And nobody likes that season. Nobody likes that middle. Because it's a difficult middle. It's a difficult season. It's a difficult time. And David had to pay the cost in order to go from being anointed to be king to ultimately being king. And the sermon in a sentence tonight, I know you're confused because I haven't even given you the message title yet. Just trust me, please. Thank you. <laughs> the sermon in a sentence for tonight is you must become before you can be. You must become before you can be. I love the definition of words. I love, I love the etymology of words. Um, there's so many times where like Miranda and I will be watching a show and a word will pop up, and I just start looking at the definition of it for no reason. I'm never going to use it. I just look it up because I'm just curious, right? So I looked at the definition of become. You know what the definition of become means? It means to begin to be. So becoming is the beginning process of being. But before you can ever be something, you have to become that thing. And this is what David went through. Because at the very beginning of David's call, at the very beginning of David being anointed king, he immediately went into a becoming season. We're going to jump into God's word right now. Right before we do that, could we all stand in the honor of reading God's word? And then after I'm done, if we can just remain standing until I pray. We're going to be in 1 Samuel 16, verses 10 through 12. 1 Samuel 16, verses 10 through 12. This is what it says. In the same way, all seven of Jesse's sons were presented to Samuel. But Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen any of them. Then Samuel asked, are these all the sons you have? They're still the youngest, Jesse replied. But he's out in the fields watching the sheep and the goats. Send for him at once, Samuel said. We will not sit down to eat until he arrives. Bro, those are seven hungry boys. That is like a, that's like a death threat right there, right? We're not eating until this guy gets in here, right? They were probably rushing out to the field to get David. So Jesse sent for him. He was dark and handsome with beautiful eyes. And the Lord said, this is the one, anoint him. You see, what happens at this point is that David is anointed king, so at that moment, David is called to be king, right? But what does he do? He doesn't just go and become king. He doesn't just go and step into the royal palace and say, hey, I'm the, I'm the new guy. Where's, where's my crown, right? What, where do I sign? Where's like my W-2? You guys don't even know what W-2 is. Um, what do I do, right? It's my first day. No, no, no. David doesn't just go to the palace. He has to go to the pasture and look after the sheep. He goes from being called king to going back to being a shepherd. And now David is stepping into a season of life that all of us find ourselves in, which is this becoming season. Because David didn't just go from being called king to being king. He went from being called king to becoming king. And this is the message title for us tonight. What we're going to be talking about with the character of David is the season of life that all of us find ourselves in. And it's between called and king. Between called and king. Where David is given his calling, but he has to become 
the king. And what I want us to really walk away with tonight is that whether you know it or not, God has a calling on you. God has a calling for your life. And the calling that God has for your life is based on the passions, the desires of your life. What's the thing that breaks your heart? What's the thing that moves you? What's the thing that motivates you? What's the thing that makes you feel something on the inside of your heart? Because oftentimes that is the thing that God is calling you to. God's not going to call you to something that you're going to hate. God's going to call you something uh, that he made you for. So when we think about what our calling is, maybe you already know what your calling is, but maybe you step into tonight and you're like, man, I have no idea what my calling is. Here's what I want to do tonight is that I want to give us tools and I want to equip us with what we do in that in-between season. But at the very end, what I want us to do is that I want us to pray and I want us to walk out what it looks like to receive or possibly even reaffirm the calling that God has on your life. Amen? Anybody down for that? Dope. Hey, let's pray, and then afterwards, y'all can sit down. I promise. God, we love you so much. God, I pray that you would speak to us. Lord, I pray that you would get rid of all distractions right now, and that you would do what only you could do, Jesus. Move in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Hey, we're going to jump into some more scripture right now because we're going to be talking about David and the character of David. So we're going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verses 34 to 37. Let me say that one more time. 1 Samuel 17, verses 34 to 37. It says this. It says, but David persisted. Now, at this point, within this chapter of David's life, David is already playing his harp and already playing music for Saul, right? So he's already close to King Saul at the time. And now David is going into the battlefield to go and deliver this food and these messages from home to his brothers. And this is the moment where he notices that Goliath is out talking trash, talking smack, and he's out there presenting himself as the Philistine champion, and he's calling out Israel to bring out their champion. Okay, so that's like the background behind what's happening in 1 Samuel 17. It says this, but David persisted. I have been taking care of my father's sheep, of my father's sheep, and goats, he said. He's talking to King Saul right now. When a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the lion turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. I have done this to both lions and bears, and I will do this, I, I will do this uh, to this pagan Philistine too. For he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. Saul, talking about King Saul, finally consented. All right, go ahead, he said, and may the Lord be with you. My first point for tonight is in season and out of season. In season and out of season. Anybody play sports? Like, like, I don't know what sport you play for your high school, for your middle school, or for your club team, but you just play sports, right? Or you played sports before. How many of us know, for all my athletes out there, that there is a, there is a season, but then there's also an off season? And some of the most crucial times within my career as an athlete was the off season. Because even in the off season, I was preparing myself for the next season. I ran track in college at Riverside City College, and I remember so vividly there would be moments where we would go on breaks 
or maybe the season would be over and we would have a summer break before we started training again. All of our coaches with their uh, respective groups, whether you're in sprints or long distance or you're a thrower, you're a jumper, whatever it may be, you were all given a workout plan and you were all given a suggested diet. And these were all things that you didn't have to do them during your off season, but if you wanted to get better, if you wanted to prepare yourself for the next season, the best way to do that was by following these workouts and by following this diet. And nobody told me that I had to do it, but it was something that I had to do on my own if I wanted to prepare for the off, or, or uh, if I wanted to prepare for the season that was ahead of me. And David ultimately had to do the same thing when it came to Goliath. You see, if God just threw David to Goliath, you know what would have happened? David would have died. He wouldn't have made it. He would have had a lot of courage and it would have all been for nothing. But what did God do? God prepared David for Goliath in the off season so that when it came time for him to face Goliath, he knew exactly what he was gonna do. Because here's the reality. God is gonna send things your way that are going to naturally push you and take you out of your comfort zone. Because the thing that God called you to is not in your comfort zone. The thing that God calls you to is not found in your bubble. The thing that God calls you to is not into a specific confined space, but he wants to call you out of that so that you can grow. All my athletes, you already know, some of the workouts that you grow from are some of the hardest workouts. The moments that you sweat the most, the moment that you're the most sore are the moments that you grow the most because we grow in uncomfortable situations. All of my musicians, whether you, uh, whether you play an instrument, whether you sing or maybe whether you're into art and you draw or you craft things and you, and you just operate within a creative space. How many of you guys know that the moment that you learn is when something difficult comes up? It's when you can't get it right away, right? You don't grow when you're playing the song perfectly, right? Because you already know it. You stop growing at that point. You start to grow when something difficult comes up. And that's the same thing. And that's the way that we can look at the, um, the moment that David is having within this encounter in 1 Samuel 17, where he says that he already killed a lion. He already killed a bear in order to face Goliath. Now, what I want to talk to us about is that I want us to talk... Um, I want to talk about what it is like to be attacked by a lion. If we can bring in the lion, I'm just kidding. Um, but the first thing that David talks about is a lion, right? The most interesting thing about a lion is that a lion doesn't attack like most animals. If you know anything about uh, animals or biology, or maybe you're interested in that sort of stuff, you would know that the way that a lion attacks is that they stalk their prey. Oftentimes, a lion sees their prey before the prey ever sees the lion, which is scary. Did you know that a lion can see eight times farther than us as humans? For all my people who have to wear glasses, you're like, must be nice. <laughs> or must be nice, right? I wish I could do that. And the most interesting part, too, is that did you know that a lion can focus on a rabbit or on a small creature that's in a bush over two miles away. Like, we can see from two miles away, but we can't see no rabbit. We can't see what's in a bush. We can see off in the distance, but our eyes have no idea how to focus in on something that is far away. 
A lion is able to see its prey before the prey can ever see the lion. The only time that the lion wants you to see it is when it's about to get you, right? When it's too late. So David had to go up against an enemy that he didn't see coming. And that prepared him for a giant. The next animal that it talks about is a bear. So a bear, as we know, is way different than a lion, right? A bear is two times heavier than a lion. It's bigger, it's longer. If it if it's stood up and if a lion stood up, the bear would be way taller than a lion. And you will hear a bear before you ever see a bear. And so David had to go up against something that he heard coming before he ever saw it coming after him. And he had to go through that in order to be prepared for a giant. See, here's the thing. A lot of times when we look at battles, a lot of times when we look at things that are about to attack us, whether it's mental health, whether it's emotional health, whether it's family issues, whether it's something physical, a lot of times we see that battle in front of us as a way for God to defeat us. But instead, we have to look at that battle as a way of God preparing us. Because God used the lion to prepare David for Goliath. God used the bear to prepare David for Goliath. And so if David looked at the lion and he looked at the bear as a way of, oh my gosh, I'm about to die, then it would be a totally different story. And David had no idea the giant that he was about to face. You have no idea the giant that you're about to face within your life. So the battle that's right in front of you, it's not meant to defeat you, it's meant to prepare you. Because God has something bigger in front of you. Because you can't get to being a king. You can't get to being who, you, uh, who God called you to be if you don't go through Goliath. And you can't get to Goliath unless you go through the lion and the bear. And so the battles of life that you're going through right now, don't look at it as a way of God defeating you. Look at it as a way of God preparing you for what's ahead. Because there's something more that God has for you. That's why it says... Within the book of James, if you ever read through James before, it talks about how we are meant to find trials and tribulations or difficult times as pure joy. What? How is that? It goes through in James to talk about how the trial and the struggle that you go through is meant to grow you. It's meant to grow your endurance. It's meant to grow your faith. And so we can have joy in the battle because joy changes our perspective as to what the battle is. And so instead of me looking at the lion as a way to defeat me, I'm going to look at the lion through the lenses of joy and say, man, God wants to prepare me for something. God wants to do something within my life. This lion is not going to prevail over me, but I'm going to prevail over the lion. Whether I'm fighting a lion or whether I'm fighting Goliath, whether I'm outside of my calling or I'm in my calling, whether I'm in season or out of season, I am going to face every battle as a way of God preparing me for what's next. And here's the cool thing about it, is that when we focus on David and when we focus on this specific passage, it talks about how David recognizes who helped him, right? It says that the Lord rescued me from the claws of the lion, from the claws of the bear. Can I tell you that when you face a battle, you're not going in it alone. When you're going through something difficult in life, you are not going through it empty-handed. 
You are not going through it just by yourself. You are going through it with the God who made you, with the God who created you. Jesus says that you will face many trials and many tribulations, but take heart for I have overcome the world. You're not going through that battle alone. You're going through that battle with the God who knows that you can win the battle. For the God who's preparing you for the battle and from the battle and behind the battle. You see, a lot of times what happens is, is that we look at battles and we think, oh man, God, God doesn't really like me right now. Right, God's not really for me at this moment. Like, why would God be doing this? Why would I have to go through this battle if God actually loved me? But what if the reason why we're going through the battle is because God called you to something behind the battle? God called David to defeat Goliath. But again, David could never get to Goliath if he never went through the lion. David could have never went through Goliath if he never got through the bear. You can't get to where God called you to if you don't get through the battle of life that you're going through. And so in season and out of season, I'm gonna take that as a moment of God preparing me in my life. Because God's with me. It's not by my strength, it's not by my grace, it's not by my ability, it's only through God that I'm able to get through this and I'm able to grow through it. You know what happens when we try to go through a battle by ourselves without God, we fail. You know what happens when we try to use our own strength and try to use our own might and try to use our own endurance and our own patience and I'm just going to put my head down and, and, and clench my teeth together and I'm just going to go through this thing. You know what's going to happen? You're going to fail. But when you go through it with God, how many of us know that when you go through a battle with God, you end up changed from the other side? You end up growing from it. You end up, you end up uh, learning something from it because the battle that's in front of you is not meant to defeat you, it's meant to prepare you for something. After Goliath, here's what happens. David ends up actually being a part of King Saul's family. He ends up marrying one of his daughters. And ultimately what ends up happening is that David joins the ranks of Saul's army. And he starts to actually be promoted in the ranks. He starts to become a commander. And he starts to win some amazing battles for Saul and for the army of Israel. But then something interesting happens. So David's doing all of these things. He, he, he's winning all of these battles for Saul. And then we see in 1 Samuel 19, 9 through 10, something interesting happen. It says, but one day when Saul was sitting at home with spear in hand, the tormenting spirit from the Lord suddenly came upon him again. As David played his harp, because if we didn't know, David actually played his harp whenever uh, the spirit would come over uh, Saul. And Saul would end up feeling better because of the music that David was playing. As he's playing this harp, Saul hurled his spear at David. But David dodged out of the way and leaving the spear stuck in the wall, he fled and escaped into the night. The second point for tonight is don't throw spears. Which I know what you're thinking, Wyatt, I'm not even 18, how the heck and where the heck would I even get a spear from, right? How does this apply to my life? Now, let me explain just for a second. This point was actually gotten from a book that actually we're reading in School of Ministry called The Tale of Three Kings. If you ever read the book before, you know that it's an amazing book. If you have not read the book before, I highly recommend it because it's a whole story about David and King Saul and one of David's sons. And it gets to this part where it talks about Saul throwing a spear at David and David never throwing the spear back at him. And I'm sure we're all wondering, Okay, so what does that have to do with me? 
instead of us looking at a spear as a physical thing, let's look at it from a different angle. In this context, when I say spear, I actually mean our words. So it gives it a whole different meaning as to what don't throw spears mean. What kind of weapon is a spear, right? If we, if we think about a spear, what type of weapon is it? Is it a close range weapon or is it a long range weapon? Well, it's a little bit of both, right? Because you can be up close and personal with somebody and use the spear on them or you can use it as a long range weapon and throw it at them. And the same can be said with our words because I can either talk to you face to face and be in a close range conversation or I can talk about somebody else to you and I'm attacking them long range. And so our words have the ability to harm people. Our words have the ability to hurt people. If you, if you ever, um, if, if, if someone's ever said something bad about you or mean to you, you know that those words hurt. And here's the thing about a spear is that the only, the only goal for a spear, right, the only objective that a spear is created for is to harm somebody. It's not made for anything else other than for it to be a weapon, other for it to mean harm towards somebody. So when we talk about words, we're not talking about, hey, buddy, you're doing so good. I'm talking about words that people throw at us that are meant to do harm, that are meant to hurt us, that are demeaning, that are mean, that are angry, that are bitter. These are words that are not meant to comfort us. These are words that are meant to harm us. You see, when Saul threw that spear at David, he wasn't expecting David to be like, oh, Nice throw. Saul wasn't expecting David to take it out and then throw catch or, or, or play catch with Saul. Saul threw the spear because he wanted to harm David. But what did David do? Instead of him throwing the spear back, he walked away. See, here's the thing. We can't control if spears are thrown at us, but we can only control if we throw the spear back. I can't control what you say about me. You can't control what somebody else says or doesn't say about you, but you can control if you say something back at them. I can't control if you throw a spear at me, but I can control if I throw the spear back at you. Don't throw spears. Now, of course, the whole idea is, is well, why? Why should we not throw spears? I think the better question is, how do we not throw spears? How do we not throw spears back? You see, here's what happens, is that so many times we can find ourselves in this, in this mode of choosing two different things, reacting or responding. And those are two different things. If you react, you're saying the first thing that's on your mind. If you respond, you think about it. And a lot of times what happens when we react is that we like to use this little excuse. We like to say, well, I just couldn't help myself. Here's the reality. Yes, you could. Because reaction and response are both choices. And you have to choose between the two. When a spear is thrown at you, when words are hurled your way that you are not expecting, that you cannot control, that you do not like, what response or what choice are you going to have? Are you going to react and throw the spear back at them? Or are you going to respond? And David picked to respond. And here's what happens so many times within our lives. We find ourselves, you know, if you've ever thrown a spear back at somebody, meaning if you ever said something back at somebody who said something hurtful, hurtful to you, what's most of the time the response or the excuse that we have? 
well, they said, well, well, they did, well, they. See, as soon as we start to do that and as soon as we start to put, put the blame on them, we're in the wrong. Because what we're doing is that we're validating what it is that they did. We can control what it is that we pick, whether we're gonna react or whether we're gonna respond. Here's another thing that I noticed too with this story is that David never touched the spear that was in the wall, meaning he never talked about it. He never picked it up and took it with him to remind him what, what it was that Saul did. He never talked about it to anybody else. He didn't gossip about what Saul did. And so many times we can find ourselves doing that same thing where somebody throws a spear at us and then we throw a spear back at them, but in the form of talking to somebody else about it. Here's the thing. Sometimes the most important thing that you say is the thing that you didn't say. Which, like, how is that even possible? We talk about, you know, it's more important of how you said it than what you said. But sometimes the most important thing isn't what you said, but it's what you didn't say. Because how many of us know that there's so many times throughout the day where something comes to mind and it's like, I can say it. <laughs> I probably shouldn't. And how many times do we not say that thing and then we don't have to live in that regret of saying it? Sometimes the most important thing that you can say is what you didn't say. David chose to respond and not to react. He chose it. He chose to respond. He didn't choose to react. See, here's, the, uh, here's an analogy that I can think of it. The difference between reacting and responding is the difference between stumbling and walking. The difference between reacting and responding is the difference between stumbling and walking. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to demonstrate what that looks like. Blake, can you please stand in the aisle, please? Make some noise for Blake. Come on now. <laughs> Levi, can I have you stand in this aisle, please? Now what we're going to do is that you two are going to run at each other. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> what we're going to do is that one of you guys is going to walk and one of you is going to stumble. What I'm going to have is that I'm going to have Levi, you're going to have the easy task of walking. So if everybody could please look at Levi and just walk. Just walk forward. Look at that walk. All right. Cool. Levi, you can just stay right there. Now Blake is going to symbolize what it looks like to stumble. By the way, we already talked about this. So could you actually go back? What Blake's going to do is that Blake is going to lean forward until he feels like he has to move, right? And he's going to stumble. So let's see it. Whoa, that was a close one. Almost there, almost fell. Thank you, guys. You guys can sit down. Thank you so much. Okay. So what did we notice? When Levi was walking, what was he able to do? He was able to control where he was going, how fast he was walking, right? He was in control. When Blake was stumbling, what was happening? He was out of control. He didn't know if he was going to fall. He couldn't control how fast he was going. He couldn't control which direction he was going in. He was out of control. Now, when you look at those two phrases, in control and out of control, when I think of the word in control, I think of secure, right? When you're walking, you're secure. You're secure in your steps. You're secure in your balance. You're able to have control over where you're going and 
how fast it is that you're going. But when you're stumbling, you're out of control. And the way that I think of it is that when you are stumbling, you are insecure, which means that you can't control where you're going, how fast you're going. You're insecure in your balance and in your steps. And so many times when we pick reacting to what it is that people say to us, you know what it shows? It shows that we're insecure. It shows that the words or the spear that was thrown at us actually hurt us. And yes, those words are going to hurt. But we don't have to react to everything that hurts us. Because if David threw the spear back at Saul, you know who David would have been? He wouldn't have been David, he would have been Saul. And God didn't call David to be Saul, he called David to be David. He called David to be the next king. In fact, God was using Saul to show David what it is that he shouldn't do. To show David what king he shouldn't be. Because God called David to be something different. And so the moment that we throw a spear back at somebody, you know what we're doing? We're putting ourselves in their same position. And God doesn't call us to do that. What does God call us to do? God calls us to love our neighbor as we love our selves. That doesn't mean that I'm going to love you as long as you're doing something good to me. That doesn't mean that I'm going to love you and I'm going to show compassion to you as long as, you know, we're friends and as long as we're on the same team. That means that I'm going to love you even when you throw a spear in my direction. And I'm going to love you by not saying anything back. I'm going to love you by not throwing that spear back at you. In fact, you know what's so funny? What you can do actually when somebody, when somebody throws a spear your way, you know what you can say? Man, I love you. Like, have you ever been into an argument with somebody and they're just going off and you're like, man, like you're dope. <laughs> you're really cool. What's going to happen? That person's going to be like, uh, thanks? Like, well, okay, how can I fight you now when you just gave me a compliment, right? Like, like, like what are we doing? You not throwing a spear back is going to defuse the situation. Don't throw spears, even when it's difficult, even when it's tough. See, here's another thing that we have to think about, is that when we think about responding, it's not just thinking through what we're going to do, but us responding is us preparing ahead of time. Well, what does that mean? Here's what it means. Why would I go based on the opinion of what someone says about me when I have the truth of what God says about me? Why would I go based on the opinion of what somebody else says about me when I have the truth of what an eternal, all-knowing, all-loving, all-powerful God says about me? You know how we can respond to people? It's by being prepared ahead of time as to what God already says about us. Because how can you hurt somebody who's already prepared for it? How can you hurt somebody who has a shield up and that shield is the word of God? How can you hurt somebody who is already prepared to receive the spear? Because when you know who you are in Christ, it doesn't matter what anybody says about you. Because why would I care about your opinion when I already have God's approval? Why would I care about what people say about me or how they talk about me or, or, or their opinions about me when I have the truth of what it is that God says about me? The way that we prepare is by knowing what it is that God said about us. David wrote a lot of songs and they're actually found within the Bible called the book of Psalms. And these Psalms were written as literal songs and stories. In fact, a lot of the worship songs and albums that we get today were actually directly inspired by the Psalms that David wrote. 
And David wrote Psalms when he was in the palace. He wrote Psalms when he was in the battlefield. He wrote Psalms when he was um, out in the wilderness, when he was out with the sheep. And in those moments, he was not only knowing God, but he was also drawing closer to God as well. A lot of times when we react to people when they throw spears at us, it just shows that we don't really know what God says about us. When we respond, it shows that we know what God says about us. That's how we prepare. Now, here's the other thing. This is, this is, this is going to be closing down this point. If we really look at the story and if we really understand this idea of Saul throwing spears at David, here's the thing. David and Saul were on the same side. They were both fighting for the same team. David was a part of Saul's army. Uh, David won many battles for Saul. There's another moment that happens uh, earlier on within 1 Samuel where Saul is so angry at David because David won a battle for him. Wait, what? <laughs> doesn't make any sense, right? How does, how does that make any sense? See, it's one thing to have an enemy throw a spear at me, but it's a whole different thing to have a brother throw a spear at me. As Christians, as believers, for all my Christians, for all my people who follow Jesus, who proclaim that they follow Jesus, are we throwing spears back at our brothers and sisters? Are we throwing spears at our brothers and sisters? How can we fight the same people who we're supposed to be fighting for? Saul was actively going against David, and David was winning battles for Saul. That makes no sense. So even if a spear is thrown your way, whether it is or not, don't throw spears at people. It says within um, the Tale of Three Kings, this is a quote from the book. It says, in this way, spears will never touch you even when they pierce your heart. So even when they hurt me, even when they, when they sting, even when they pierce my heart, I know that ultimately, even though that hurts for a moment, I know what it is that God says about me and who he is in my life. After this moment, David ends up fleeing. As he rushes off into the night, he ends up going into the wilderness. And Saul, not just himself, but also a few of his people end up going and hunting down David. And at some point, a bunch of people, a bunch of outcasts, a bunch of uh, warriors who were once a part of Saul's army go and meet David. And before you know it, David has like a few hundred people with him. And he's fleeing Saul, he's fleeing his army, he's fleeing his men. And this is where we find ourselves within 1 Samuel 24, verses 3 through 7. At this time, David and his guys were in this cave. And as they're hiding into this cave, there's a guy that comes walking by. And he has an army with him, and it's Saul. As Saul is trying to find David, he goes into the exact same cave that David and his crew are in. And this is what it says in 1 Samuel 24, 3 through 7. It says, at the place where the road passes some sheepfolds, Saul went into a cave and relieved himself. Yes, that is what you think it is. He's going to the bathroom. But as it happened, David and his men were hiding farther back in the very cave. Now's your opportunity, David's men whispered to him. Today the Lord is telling you, I will certainly put your enemy into your power to do as you wish. So David crept forward and cut off a piece of the hem of Saul's robe. 
But then David's conscience began bothering him because he had cut Saul's robe. He said, it was been the Lord forbid that I should do this to my Lord, the king. Wait, what? I shouldn't attack the Lord's anointed one for the Lord himself has chosen him. So David restrained his men and did not let them kill Saul. After Saul had let the had left the cave and gone on his way. My last point for us tonight, if uh, Jordan wants to get up and start playing the keys. My last point for us tonight is don't cave in. Don't cave in. So at this point, as we know, Saul is hunting David. He has his men and David has his men. And as he's going through this wilderness, David and his men, as the stories say, are hiding in this cave. And as Saul and his men are passing by, that's when Saul realizes, you know what, this is the perfect moment. I gotta go, so I gotta go. So I'm gonna go into the cave, I'm gonna do my business, and then I'm gonna walk out and we're gonna go and continue our search for David. And all of a sudden, Saul starts walking into the same cave that David and his crew is. So at, so at this point, I could imagine if I was one of David's crew members, I would be like, dude, like perfect timing, man. Like how did this happen, right? Saul just happens to walk into the same cave that we are hiding in. Not only that, but he's also in a position where he has his guard down. Like, man, what a perfect opportunity. And so they try to get David's attention. They're like, hey, dude, that's Saul. Like, just end it, bro. Just, just, just get rid of him, right? His men aren't gonna know. He's not gonna see it coming. Like, end all of our problems. And here's what would have happened if David did that. David would have become king because he was anointed and appointed to be the next king. The men that were with David probably would have defeated Saul's men because once they find out that Saul is dead, they would probably run away. Or for those who fought, it wouldn't be enough people to defeat David's men. And David would be able to go away, be safe, go back to the palace, sit on his throne, take a deep breath and say, man, this is what God called me to. But David doesn't do that. What does he do? He, instead of killing Saul, he creeps up behind him and he cuts off a piece of his robe. And even that convicts David. And David says, no, 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 that's not even right because I, I, even though I didn't kill him, even though I didn't hurt him, I still touched his robe. And God's not calling me to kill him. God's not calling me to, to end all of this on my terms. And so instead of David killing Saul, he lets him go. See, if it was the other way around and if David came into Saul's cave, oh, David would have been done. Saul would have taken that moment and he would have been killing David within that moment. But all of a sudden, David flips it. Because again, David wasn't called to be Saul, David was called to be David. And if David killed Saul, he would have been just like Saul. Because if we know this story, whether we know it or not, there's a, there's a moment where Saul is still king and he still has God's favor over his life and he's still appointed king. And at this time, he's in the middle of a battle and there's a prophet Samuel who we talked about at the very beginning who told Saul very specifically, wait to build this, um, to build this altar, wait to do this offering or this sacrifice for me, right? Wait for me, don't do anything until I get there. 
Saul's in a desperate moment. He ends up going against what Samuel says and he takes matters into his own hands. He does this altar, he does this offering, and as soon as that happens, who shows up? Samuel. It's like when your parents are gone all day and you do something wrong and then that's the moment when they show up, right? Like you broke the vase and you're trying to clean it up and that's the moment that your parents decide to show up. That's what happened with Samuel and Saul. Saul thinks, I'm just gonna do this. This is no problem. I'm doing the right thing. I'm validated with this. And I'm just gonna make this altar. I'm just gonna do this offering, whether Samuel is here or not. And I'm just gonna go ahead and take matters into my own hands. And at that moment is the moment where God said, we need a new king. And that's where David comes involved. See, if David would have killed Saul within that moment, he would have been just like Saul because he would have taken his, his, uh, his own matters into his own hands. He would have gotten rid of the problem. You see, here's what happens a lot of times as we're going through this becoming season, as we're going through this in-between, and as we're going through this middle season of our lives. A lot of times what happens is that the easy thing and the right thing become blurred. The easy thing to do was to kill Saul because it would have gotten rid of all of his problems. The right thing to do was to let Saul go. Now, which one sounds better, the easy one or the hard one? Probably the easy one, right? So many times what happens is that when we are in our lowest moments, because it's easy to say that David was in his lowest moment. Could you imagine? Dude, you're the next king and you're hiding in a cave. You're the next king of Israel and you are hiding in a cave. You are at your lowest moment. A lot of times what happens when we are in our lowest moment, compromise seems like the right thing to do. A lot of times when we're in our lowest moment, compromise almost seems like the only thing that we can do. And what I wanna encourage you with tonight is don't compromise in your cave. Man, when you are in your lowest moment, when life is just hitting you, when life is difficult, it's so easy for us to pick the easy way out. But the easy way out is not always the right way out. Who do we wanna be? Do we wanna be David or do, or do we wanna be Saul? God called us to be like David. Even when things are difficult, I'm still gonna follow after God. Even when things don't make sense, I'm still gonna obey God. Because after this moment, uh, David and some of his boys even tell him, dude, what are you doing? Like we had him right there and you just let him go? Not everybody is gonna understand the calling on your life. And that's okay because it's not for everybody. It's for you. God called you specifically. And so if people don't get it, if it doesn't make sense to them, that's okay. I think we live in this sort of, uh, sort of generation where we just want everybody to be on board with it. We want everybody to be okay with it, right? We don't wanna ruffle any feathers or anything like that. Can I tell you, when you follow after God, not everybody's gonna be on board with it. Not everybody's gonna get it. Not everyone's gonna be okay with it. But do I care more about their validation or do I care more about God's validation? Do I care more about my calling or their opinion? Do not compromise your calling in the cave. 
This is what David did. God prepared David in the cave because David had to honor his calling when it made the most sense to compromise. David had to honor his calling when it made the most sense to compromise. One of the things that I think about when it comes to a cave is literally a cave is small, it's dark, you can hide in it easily. When it comes to your calling, don't compromise it even if nobody else knows. When you are in your cave, when you have those secret areas of your life, when you have your emotions, when you have your mental health, when you have those, those, those areas in your life that you can just hide away from people, don't compromise those moments. Don't compromise in the dark because your calling still exists in the dark. Your calling still exists in the cave. Just because you're in a cave doesn't mean that you're not called. David was still called even though he was in a cave. David was still called king even though he was fleeing away from the king who was there to kill him. Don't cave in when you're in your cave. God had to prepare David in private so that he can be promoted in public. Before God ever put a crown on David's head, he had to go through being prepared. And there's different areas where God ultimately prepared him. Every single point that we went through is just a different moment in which God prepared David. When we talk about in season and out of season, the battles of life that we go through, David was, or uh, God was preparing David within his mind. He was preparing his mind. That's what God wants to prepare for you as you're going through this in between becoming season. As you're going through that between called and being who God called you to be, God wants to prepare your emotions with don't throw spears. He doesn't want your emotions to just take over whenever you want. He wants to prepare your emotions for the calling that he has for you. And then God wants to prepare your spirit. When you're in your cave, when you're in your darkest, deepest moment, who are you gonna trust more in? God or yourself? Are you gonna compromise in your calling just because things are difficult? God wants to prepare your spirit before he ever gets you to where you have to be. As we talk about David, um, it's easy to talk about David and, and also think about another character in the Bible named Jesus. David within the Old Testament is considered to be a Christ-like figure um, someone who is not Christ, but who has similar characteristics to Christ. In fact, when Jesus was here on earth, he was often categorized as a son of David because he was in the lineage of David. In fact, Jesus was also the heir to the throne at that point. But the difference between David and Jesus is that David didn't die for our sins, Jesus did. Jesus lived a sinless life perfect life and David still made mistakes and he still fell short. He still chose the wrong thing at times. But yet Jesus chose to walk in a sinless life because ultimately the reason why Jesus came is to die for you and I. See, Jesus went through all of these things. Jesus had an in-season and out-of-season moment. Right before he is starting his ministry, he's tempted by the devil for 40 days and for 40 nights. That's out of the season. And then after that moment, he steps into the season of ministry. 
he was prepared to step into his calling. Jesus never threw spears, even when they were thrown back at him. It says that as Jesus was before Pilate, as he was before this court that was sentencing him to death, he stood there silent. Even as he was having spears thrown at him that were undeserved, he still chose to not throw spears. And Jesus never caved in. Even when Jesus was in this moment called the Garden of Gethsemane and he's praying to God, he's saying, God, if there is any other way, because he knew that he had to go to the cross, he knew that he had to die for our sins, he knew that he had to go and pay for our punishment and pay for our sins. And even in that moment, God said, if there's any other way, God, let it be so. But if not, let your will be done. And Jesus never compromised in the calling that he had. And I'm so thankful for that because Jesus ended up going and dying for our sins. Not just so that we would be saved from our sins, but so that you and I could be here and step into the calling that he has for us. You see, the first step to becoming who God wants you to be is by having a relationship with him. We can't even move forward when it comes to stepping into God's calling if we're not following after God himself, if we don't have a relationship with him. And maybe there's some of you tonight who came in here and you're like, man, I'm just here for my friends. I'm here just visiting. Maybe some of you are like, I have no idea why I'm here. I have no idea what's going on. But there's something inside of you that says there has to be more. There's something inside of you that's crying out for hope. There's something inside of you that is empty and you're looking for more and you're looking for fulfillment. Can I tell you that your fulfillment and the thing that you're looking for is found in Jesus? As somebody who has stepped into a relationship, as, 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 as I have been in a community with you guys, can I just tell you, there is no other relationship, there's no other fulfillment than Jesus. So before we ever step into our calling, it first takes us stepping into a relationship with Jesus who died on a cross for us, who took our sins, who took our shame, who took our guilt, and ultimately rose again so that we could be alive in him. So right now, all across this room, I just wanna make a moment. I just wanna, I just wanna set the stage for, for us to be able to possibly accept Jesus into our lives for the first time, or maybe this is a rededication because maybe you've walked away and this is a moment where you wanna draw back closer to God. So all across this room, if we would just take a moment just to close your eyes, bow your heads, because there's people in the room who, again, like I said, there's something on your heart, there's something in your life you're like, man, I know that there's something more. I know that God wants to do something in my life and I don't even know what it is. Maybe you're here tonight and you say, yep, I want this relationship with Jesus, whatever it may be, whoever, whoever, whoever this guy is, I wanna know him and I wanna accept him into my life. If that's you all across this place with every single head down, every single eye closed, not distracting anybody, not looking around, not worrying about who's on your left or who's, or, or, uh, who's on your right. This is between you and God right now. If that's you and you want to accept Jesus into your heart as your Lord and as your Savior, and you want to jump into this relationship that he has with you, I'm going to count down to three. And when I get to three, I want us to raise our hands. One, two, three. If that's you tonight, you want to accept Jesus into your life. Amen. Amen. Hands everywhere. Hands everywhere. You guys can put your hands down. You know, as you put your hands up, it's a sign of saying, God, I need you. God, I want you. 
And ultimately, what we do is that we confess with our mouths and we believe in our hearts that Jesus is Lord. And so as a family, as a body, whether you've already said this prayer before, or maybe your hand just went up and you're gonna be saying it for the very first time, could we all just repeat these words after me? Say, Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I know I've made mistakes, but tonight I accept you into my heart. I need you to be my Lord, to be my savior. And I believe that God rose you from the dead. So tonight I open my heart. Thank you for forgiving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, can you make some noise for people who accepted Jesus into their lives? Hey, that's an amazing decision that you just made. It is the first step into the journey. And if you said that prayer for the very first time and you wanna learn more about what that looks like, we have a free resource for you guys called The Next Seven Days. If you are interested in receiving that resource, DM us on Instagram at bridgeYTH underscore and just DM us next seven to get that resource. One more time, can we just clap our hands for the people who accepted Jesus tonight? Hey, what I wanna do in this moment is, you know, one of the things that we talked about at the very beginning was to receive the calling that God has for us, but also for some of us who maybe who have already received that calling, and maybe it's something that has been wavering, maybe it's something that you haven't really thought about in a while, and you just want that calling reaffirmed on your life. What I want us to do is that if we could all stand right now to our feet, and if you wanna come up, we're gonna jump into a time of worship. But before we do that, what we're gonna do is that we are going to set the stage we're gonna set the atmosphere so that God can speak to people tonight. Because maybe you're here tonight and you're thinking to yourself, man, you're talking about calling, I have no idea what I'm called to. You talk about becoming, I have no idea what God wants me to become. I have no idea what that looks like. I'm, I'm, I'm so stoked that God called David to be king, but I have no idea what God's even calling me to. Maybe for some of you, you know what God's calling you to. Maybe it's ministry, maybe it's to pursue a certain career or maybe it's to um, even live in a specific country, whatever it may be. You have heard God's voice, you know the calling that he has on your life, but maybe there's something inside of you that's like, I don't know if that's real or not. I don't know if that was just my thoughts or if it was actually God's thoughts. What I want us to do right now is that I wanna prepare ourselves because we're gonna take a moment, a few seconds, a few moments for all of us to just be silent. See, what happens a lot of times in scripture is that the moments where Jesus talks is when it's quiet. Because it talks about how God's voice is a gentle voice, how it's a whisper, how it's a calm voice, how it's a peaceful voice. And when we have all this noise and all these distractions happening around us, it's so easy for us to miss what it is that God's saying. So what we're gonna do is that we're gonna take a moment to just be silent and for us to listen in to what God is saying. And before we do that, what I'm, what I'm gonna do is that I'm gonna pray. And I'm just gonna ask God, God, would you speak to us? Right now, all across this place, would we just... Take a moment right now just to close our eyes. Bow our heads right now. Again, not distracting anybody, not looking around. And if this moment isn't for you, then it's not for you, but don't take it away from somebody else. So right now, let's just set our hearts on God. Let's set our mind, let's set our thoughts on God.
God, right now within this place, Lord, God, I pray that you would be speaking to people, Lord, in the silence, in the middle. God, that as students, as middle schoolers and as high schoolers, God, are asking you, Lord, what is it that you're calling them to? What is it that you're pushing them to, God? What is it that you've, that you've made them for, Jesus? God, I ask that right now that your Holy Spirit would just be with us. That your, Holy, that your Holy Spirit, God, would just cover this place, Lord. Cover our hearts. Cover our minds, Lord. Help us, God, to hear you. Help us, Lord, to listen in. Help us, God, to hear what it is that you're saying, God, so clearly, so confidently, God, that we would have no doubt that it's you, Jesus. God, speak to us. We're listening. Hey, if you want to hear from, from God, one of the things that I, just, that I just thought about that just came to mind, if this moment's for you, would you just reach out your hands like this? Just hands out, arms up, palms up. This is just a way of saying, God, I'm ready to receive what it is that you have for me. God, I'm ready to hear from you. God, I'm ready to, to listen to your voice. God, we're ready to receive the calling that you have for us, God. I pray that this would be a life-changing moment. God, I pray that this would be a transformation. I pray, God, that this would be a moment that we don't just take lightly, but that we would take it seriously, God. This is a moment, Lord, where you're calling people. God, speak to us right now. And then for the next moments, just listen to God. God, we thank you, Lord. God, we thank you for speaking to people right now, God. God, we thank you, Lord, for speaking so clearly, for speaking so, soft, for speaking so softly, God. Lord, I pray that the words that you've spoken to us, God, that we would hold on to them, that we would write them down. Lord, I pray that you would remind us of them tomorrow and the weeks to come. God, I pray that they would not just be words that you've spoken over us once, God, but that they would be words that you continue to speak over us, Jesus. God, we thank you. We worship you right now, God. God, keep on speaking. Keep on moving in this place, God. Keep on doing what only you could do, Jesus. God, we thank you. We worship you, God.
I am chosen by God, precious in his eyes. Called by his own glory and goodness, I'm an ambassador for Christ, a new creation appointed by God, loved and accepted for who I am. I don't need a facade, strong and courageous, prosperous and triumphant, empowered and blessed, successful and abundant. I am forgiven and healed, free from all deceit. Psalm 84:11. I am in lack of no good thing. I walk in honor, I walk in favor because the one who dwells in me is greater, greater than this lust and addiction, than this medical condition, than this bottled prescription, than this pain and infliction, than these mistakes and failures that I observe. For greater is he than who is in me than he who is in this world. I'm called by the name of the Lord. <laughs> called by the name of the Lord. <sighs> called by the name of the Lord. I am in lack of the, I'm in lack of no good father. <sighs> I walk in honor, I walk in favor because the one who dwells in me is greater, greater than this lust and addiction, than this medical condition, than this bottled prescription, than this pain and infliction, these mistakes and failures that I observe for greater is he who is in me than he who's in this world. I'm blessed coming in, I'm blessed going out. Called by the name of the Lord, a loving Father, I am not without. Covered with the robe of righteousness and garments of salvation, I am the righteousness of God, for He is my firm foundation. Free from sin, free from the past, free from fear, redeemed by Christ, reconciled through His death. The victory I have is clear. I am the head and not the tail. I am above and not beneath. Pursued and valued by God. His love is all that I need. But is it? Is it? Is it all that I need? I mean, that's what I keep telling myself, but is that what I believe? I mean, God. If you say I'm called and chosen, why do I feel depressed and broken? You say that I'm found, yet I feel so lost. The shame is stopping me from accepting what you did on that cross. A new creation, supposed to be a new creation, yet I feel like trash, old, outdated. Supposed to be prosperous, strong, and full of peace. Why am I frustrated? If I'm loved and accepted, why do I feel forgotten and neglected? Why do I still hide behind this facade? behind this smile, ashamed is what I am, embarrassed and afraid to let someone else see who I am, a sober mind <laughs> seems impossible to obtain, would rather continue to numb myself than to ever feel this pain, oh God, why? This Bible says that you're greater, and God, I want to believe that I really do, but right now this addiction feels like a brick wall and I just can't get through, I'm a mess. 
But every Sunday I continue to say amen. I mess up, repent from my sin, then mess up again. <laughs> Another day lived hopelessly. Another night crying uncontrollably. This empty void in my chest I can't escape. <sighs> Regrets from my past make my legs shake and this heart ache. I need a break. A fix of something that'll keep me straight. Lifting weights, a shallow day, just something that will distract me from feeling this hate. God, I feel lost. <laughs> I'm lost. I feel less than enough. Can't focus on who I am because I'm consumed with who I was. God, I'm stuck. I'm stuck in the middle. I'm stuck in the middle. Stuck in between what I feel and who I am. This life that I live and the one and only God who is the great I am, I'm stuck. I'm stuck in between. Stuck in between no or yes, more or less, defeat or success, my spirit or my flesh. God, I'm stuck. I'm stuck in between. Stuck in between where I am and where I'm called to be. Stuck in between what I feel and what you've spoken over me. Stuck in between called and king. God, I'm stuck. I'm stuck in between. Are you? Are you? The truth wasn't enough for me because I didn't believe. <laughs> we, can say we, we can say we think the Bible is true, but it doesn't mean a thing if we don't actually believe. Bridge youth, hear me. <laughs> truth won't free you until you believe. Love won't heal you until you receive. By grace, through faith, we attain. Anything less is vain. Your feelings do not define you. The only one who can decide who you are is the one who designed you. Don't you dare ever try to diagnose something you didn't create. He alone tells us who we are, and that's not up for debate. That's not up for debate, Bridge Youth. Your feelings do not define you. Only the one who designed you can define you. You are who he says you are, period. Believe that tonight. God, we believe what you said and we trust what you do. We open up our hearts, Holy Spirit, come and move.
things about David. David's nickname in scripture was a man after God's own heart. Oh, quick, can we give it up for Marco? Sharing his talents, his abilities. And, and Marco's... In Marco's poetry piece, you can hear this tension between a man who is who's like, God, I trust you and you're faithful and I believe you and my heart's in your hands and you're all I need. And then there's this kind, kind of in the middle, you probably felt the whole thing sort of take a shift where it was like, but do I really believe that? Do I really believe that you're all that I need? And David was called a man after God's own heart, but he wasn't called that because he was perfect. He was called that because in highs and in lows, in the middle, in this season, in that season, in, in faith and failure, David constantly came back to God and said, God, my heart's in your hands. Uh, on an anniversary of one of the greatest failures of his life, he wrote in the Psalms, search me, oh God. Like, take a peek at my innermost heart. And if there's anything in me that's not of you, God, would you remove it? Would you change it? Would you shift it? On my heart, it's, it's, it's yours. It belongs to you. Is there any part of your heart that you're holding back from God? Anything that you're holding back? There's a young guy in the New Testament called the rich young ruler that is like, he had it all figured out. And Jesus said, that's, that's fine, that's cool. Like he said, Jesus, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, you know the law. He starts naming it off. And, and, and the guy goes, I've done all that. Since I was a little kid, I did all that. And Jesus said, okay, cool. You just lack one thing. Everybody say one thing. He said, you lack one thing. Go sell all your possessions. Give it to the poor. Then come follow me. And it says that the young man walked away poor. He, wa he walked away sad because he had many possessions. He was unwilling to be poor to follow Jesus. His heart was wrapped around money and his possessions. And because of that, we don't even know this guy's name. Jesus calling on this guy's life was to be the 13th disciple. But his possessions had his heart and he never stepped into calling. If you feel like you're standing right in the middle between God's calling and your past, who you were and who God's calling you to be, don't let one thing cost you everything. Let this be the moment that you surrender everything to God. God, everything, all of my heart, all that I have, everything within me, all of my emotions, all of my dreams, all of my desires, that sin, that struggle, my depression, everything, I put it in your hands. Close your eyes. You're in the presence of God. Lift your hands right now. Let this be your moment of surrender. Sing this out from the depths of your heart if you want. If you want my heart, you got it, you got it, you got it. If you want my heart, you got it, you got it, you got it. If you want my heart, you got it, you got it, you got it. If you want my heart, you got it, you got it, you got it. If you want my you got it, you got it, you got it. If you want my heart, you got it, you got it, you got it. If you want my heart, you got it, you got it. I'm not holding anything back. If 
Thank you for grace. Thank you for moments in your presence. I pray every single thing that you've called out in us. We lay it at your feet. Those in our moment of silence that you called, I pray we'd be faithful to walk out what you've called us to. We thank you, God, that in the middle of life and struggle and seasons and storms and hardship and everything that goes on, we thank you that you still call us, you still anoint us, you still appoint us, you still bring us into your plan, and you use our lives. There's no life compared to living for you, so we put all of our life, all of our heart, and everything that we have in your hands. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, one more time, can we give God praise? Hey, can we say thank you to Wyatt for that awesome message tonight? Such an amazing message. Hey, before you go, if you gave your life to Jesus, if you, if you prayed that prayer a moment ago, it's not the end of the journey, it's just the beginning, and we want to walk this next, uh, we want to walk this next little season of your faith journey out with you with something called the next seven days. There's seven videos that'll help you in your walk of faith, and you can get them really easily. Go to our Instagram, at bridgeyth underscore, and DM us the words, next seven. We'll handle the rest. Hey, can we welcome people into God's family right now? So awesome, so cool. Hey, have you enjoyed being in youth tonight, in church tonight? Isn't it so cool worshiping together like this? Hey, don't forget we got connect groups on Sunday morning. We hope to see you guys there. We love you so much. Have an amazing week. We'll see you Sunday.